Well, praise the name of the Lord and thank you, Janet Lee. Songs about healing and miracles. That's the story of the Bible, isn't it? When you read in the Bible, just one healing and miracle after another, all based on the grace of God through Jesus Christ. Wow. Thank you. And hello, everybody. Well, today, we think, we think we're going to be able to finish the Wars of the Lost Book of the Wars of the God as given by interpretation. And we'll just see, but I, I think we will, and we'll do our best to do that. Um, there is so much that I still want to share with you today, and I'll have to keep things moving at a good pace. Uh, before I just get totally into it, I want to tell any of you people that may not be aware, um, you know, of, of the fact that we have just posted on the Star Rise community. Now, the Star Rise community is a separate site from the Manifestor blog site. And we have just posted on there uh, an absolutely incredible beginning of a series about the Father's house. And it's called um, One Nation Melchizedek Artura of the Asian Minor Constellation. And there's Bible, Bible, Bible for it. But it's something that you really need to get to. One way that you can get to it, if you can remember this, I'll repeat it twice, is go to the URL and um, put in the ma themanifestor.com. This is all low case. Start over. themanifestor.com slash starrise s-t-a-r-r-i-s-e community dot h-t-m-l one more time the manifester dot com slash now we're not saying dash we're saying slash starrise that's two r's community dot h-t-m-l that will get you to the uh, Starrise site, and you'll be able to read this absolutely incredible. Uh, you'll you should be applauding the Lord at the end of reading it for for allowing this to be written at this time. So God God bless you uh, and anoint you in the reading of that. Now on with our uh, our teaching here today. Um, I want to go over a few things just to be sure that you're up to date. Um, it's good to know about, about the Father's house. It's good to know about, you know, the Bible where it keeps talking about one-third of this happened, one-third of that happened. And in, the 12, you know, in, and in the 12th chapter, it talks about the tale of the dragon drew one-third of the stars and cast them to the earth. And we have explained that those... Uh, there are uh, once it says a third is cast away of the stars, and uh, the the Bible is very, very, very definite in, in using uh, stars as a symbol or metaphor of angels, and uh, so one third then means that there are two thirds left, uh, or that there are three groups of thirds, and and we prefer to show it that way in the three groups of thirds. 
and there there of course uh, is the one third uh, of the seraph which are seraphim angels and there's one third which are cherubim angels and there's one third which are ophanims now all of these particular angels are designated in the bible uh, as to the number of wings they have uh, wings having a very specific meaning and and uh, We've explained that before. We can't explain every every ask, every detail, but uh, the seraphim are shown to have six wings. The um, the um, cherubim are shown to have four wings, and the ophanim are shown to have two wings. That's all important. Then, as to the number of the uh, of the uh, fallen angels, which are the one third that fell, are the ophanim. Uh, it says in Revelations five eleven. And I beheld and heard the voice of many angels around about the throne and, and the beast and the elders and the number of them. Now, God tells us the number of these angels. Uh, 10,000 times 10,000, thousands of thousands. Uh, we have several times made a demonstration of taking that mathematical equation uh, it it configures the number one trillion, one trillion, and so that's that's very important. So now then, if you take and you divide this one third that fell, and and you look at this number that is given in the uh, both Old and New uh, Testament of the number six six six. And if you say, okay, this is a part of the one-third, this is a number representing part of the one-third. Uh, if you divide, divide it this sort of like into thirds, you know, uh, then, then you would have three, 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 and three, 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 uh, or very roughly that, that equi equivalent. And uh, so if you take... Um, if you take uh, three uh, six 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 plus uh, three three four, then you have your trillion, okay? And that is a thousand billion uh, entities, which equals one trillion. But um, because it doesn't really work out that way, because Jesus, although he and his legions, which were co-owned angels, were a part of of that number, uh, but uh, they were not part of the number that fell. So then we take the six six six, and we take the three three three, that which divides those all up into thirds, and that leaves, uh, you know, one billion, one billion, uh, uh, in number that is not a part of either the six 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 or the three three three. So that one billion then is left to be understood that it represents Yahweh and one billion co-owned angels. He's included in that number. So, so uh, I know that sounds outstanding and incredible, but it really isn't uh, when you consider the eternities of time that's involved here. So then you've got, you know, um, uh, two different divisions, and, and, and it explains this beautifully in this uh, uh, new post that was done on the Melchizedek uh, uh, Nation thing uh, that I just told you to get onto uh, Star Rise Community. Um, 
there there's the major flock, which is the six 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 number, and there's the the uh, the little flock, which is the three 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 number, and the major flock it, it belongs to the bosom of Abraham, and the uh, little flock belongs to the bosom of the Father, described in the book of John. And so there's two different bosoms, and these bosoms represent, you know, a a uh, a place of salvation, redemption, and that's what those bosoms represent. And uh, so then you have the major flock, which is the the uh, bosom of Abraham, and the the lesser flock, which is the bosom of the Father. And those things are very very important to know. Uh, if you want to know more about it, read this latest Arturian thing, uh, One Nation Melchizedek, and uh, you'll get that. Uh, incredibly interesting, uh, in 1 Kings 10.14, Solomon collected, and the, you know, the, uh, the queen uh, that came to her, uh, you know, from the east, uh, uh, she, she was, I'm sure, uh, specifically involved in in the, uh, giving a great part of this. But in one year, uh, Solomon collected 666 billion talents of gold. And uh, that's in one year. So that all ties in to these different talents and, and to the total number when you add the other third uh, plus the, the billion. Uh, and get the one trillion number. Uh, all important. Now, uh, I had someone recently mention to me that uh, they were told that Ma Michael, uh, the angel, that Michael the angel was, um, was Jesus Christ. And of course, I've heard that uh, many times before where people have this thing, an idea that that Michael is Jesus Christ. Um, they go to the 12th chapter of um, Daniel, and uh, in the 12th chapter of Daniel, verse 1, And at that time shall Michael stand up the great prince, which standeth for the children of thy people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never, uh, uh, such as never was since there was a nation. And, uh, and they get this idea that that has to be Jesus Christ. But in fact, indeed, it is not Jesus Christ. Michael is the archangel over the seraphims. And Gabriel is the archangel over the, pardon me, over the seraphims. Pardon me, cherubims, we'll get it right. Okay, let's go back. We've got um, Michael. Archangel over the seraphims. We've got Gabriel, March, uh, Archangel over the cherubims. Yaviel, Archangel over the Ophanims. And the Bible says that uh, it gives him that title of Archangel uh, and says that he will come with himself with the voice of an Archangel. And uh, so, you know, there's lots of scripture for all this stuff that we're saying. Well, how can we uh, how can we sort of prove the point? Uh, very important, I think. Uh, well, in in Ephesians uh, twelve six, it talks about 
uh, that the war is not with flesh and blood, but it's with the principalities. And, uh, and then if you look up the, uh, <coughs> the Greek uh, Strong's Concordance for the principalities, uh, it, it, will, it will give you, um, uh, you know, a, like a, a scripture uh, that basically, uh, you know, talks about uh, a principality being a prince. Uh, this would be number 746. Um, 746 has a root with 756, and has a root with uh, 756 has a root with 757 and and with 758 so if you have to look at all of these especially when you're dealing with greek or the ancient greek and the ancient hebrew 746 756 757 758 and you get this thing of the principality and being a chief prince uh an arch uh archangel uh, in uh, 743 from 757. And then 746, as I said, talks about the principality and the prince. Uh, so you can discover here, then by the 756 to 757 to 758, that principality can also mean prince. So that the word prince comes from principality. Now, uh, we then know, because in the 12th chapter of um, Daniel, uh, it, it calls Michael the great prince which standeth up for the people. Now, the seraphims are involved in, in, in the judging. So, so th this is very, very important of the meaning, standing up for the people. You know, uh, because that is a very, very important thing uh, for there to be a law, the laws upheld that are going to protect people's opportunity of redemption. And that is the job that, uh, that uh, we see has been given here and mentioned in the 12th chapter of Daniel about uh, Michael, uh, the, the great prince. Then if we were to say, well, how, how do we know, though, that he's not... Uh, it's not talking about Jesus. Well, it you can know that. Uh, it is in the Scripture. Let's turn, uh, you know, if you want to, to your uh, Bible, to Jude. And uh, there's something very interesting there that pretty much, pretty much uh, settles the, the issue. Um, in Jude, um, it, it, uh, it gives a very interesting explanation um, in verse 9. Yet Michael, the archangel, now we see that Michael is an archangel, when contending with the devil, he disputed about the body of Moses, but he does, he, he does not bring against uh, the devil a railing accusation, but said, the Lord rebuked thee. So we find it, very, very important here uh, on this on this thing that he is saying, um, I'm not going to bring a railing accusation against you, but I'm going to I'm going to say that the, that the Lord rebuke you uh, because that's his right and his power to do that. 
So then to sort of verify that, you can look in Second Peter. Go to Second Peter uh, in the New Testament and look at uh, uh, chapter 2, verse 11. And it says in chapter 2, verse 11, Whereas angels, which are greater in power and might, bring not railing accusations against them before the Lord. So we see that, that the, the angels do not bring these railing accusations uh, before them to, to the Lord. Now, let's look at Zechariah 3.2. And if you look at, at Zechariah 3.2, uh, that is just uh, sort of a summation. It, uh, it, it, gets, it gets the point out there. It, it, uh, it resolutes the thing. Okay, so let's let's just look at Zechariah three two, and uh, and see if you can really see the point of it. Okay, and the Lord said unto Satan, The Lord rebuke thee, O Satan. Even the Lord that hath chosen Jerusalem rebuke thee. Is this is this not a brand plucked out of the fire? So now we see that it's very it's made very specific. And and it is showing here that it is it is the Lord uh, who has chosen Jerusalem. We know which Lord that is, and that He's making it specific because we know there's 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 lords and gods. You know, L remember the song "Lord of Lords" and "Lord of Lords" and "Gods of Gods." Uh, there's a song. Haven't quite caught that tune on pitch there, right? But you get the idea. And so uh, now it's very, very clear by the, by the Bible, even using like the same terms, you know, about, uh, uh, about, about the rebuking and, and uh, between that and Peter, the railing accusations. It's, it, it, it's very clear that Michael, Gabriel, uh, they're not involved in, in uh, uh, this kind of thing of, bringing a, ry a riling accusation, and it's not their job to do that. Even though Michael was used uh, uh, to, to uh, bring his angels uh, in war against um, Lucifer, um, he still does not have a right to uh, uh, say any more than a police officer would go out and arrest someone and bring him into jail. That is a totally different thing from making a judgment on that person and saying this person's guilty that's why i'm doing this he, he's just may i'm um, you know making the peace and then uh, there has to be a a, a a different kind of of judgment like we know it's the white throne judgment uh before that issue is settled now um those things i find to be extremely interesting and um if you would uh, notice also that um, there is the experience that that um, where the, where where the Bible talks about in Daniel that Gabriel uh, came to to help uh, Daniel and um, that that he came to show him understanding, but that um, uh, when he was trying to show him this understanding that 
he was uh, interfered with with the uh, the Prince of Persia. Now, that is extremely very interesting, and there is uh, as I get into this, there there is a, a valid point that really will teach you something about different ranks of the angels and different positions of the angels. So like in uh, uh, Daniel 9, uh, verse 21, it says, While I was yet speaking in prayer, even the man Gabriel, whom I have seen in a vision, we know that Gabriel got, is, is, come, can come in a physical form, but he is an archangel of the cherubim. Uh, we're not trying to prove that today, but we've proved it in the past. But now in chapter 10, verse 13, but the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me one in twenty days. But lo, Michael, one of the chief one of, it very makes it clear there are several chief princes. One of the chief princes came to help me, and I remained there with the kings of Persia. So uh, Gabriel, when he was in, in, in a, a contest against the prince of Persia, uh, he needed help in order to overcome uh, this force that was trying to interfere and stop him from giving this revelation to, to Daniel. And when Michael came to help him, then there was the sufficient strength and sufficient force. So we could either say uh, Michael then was superior to Gabriel, and thus he is shown to have six wings. Gabriel is shown to have four wings, his cherubim group, and and uh, Michael's uh, seraphim group shown to have six wings, and he was able then to bring about this victory. Or someone might say, well, it's the combination of the two of them, uh, perhaps. Uh, but but very possibly, uh, it it is denoting here that there is, uh, you know, some angels, even though they are on an equal basis of being an archangel, some that have. Uh, uh, precedence over uh, the other angel uh, for various reasons. And uh, it is a war out there uh, at this, uh, in this universe. And it's a good thing to know all of these because uh, they are prerequisite uh, to understanding the, the wholeness of the Bible. Okay, so let us just keep moving on here because time's flying. Um, let us not forget... Let us not forget that um, Moses meets the angel of the Lord at the burn, burning bush. And it is there that we are using that dedication of location for this moment in which all of this notion, or not notion, but in, information is, is being passed on to Moses. Now, people say, oh, well, it would take months and months and months uh, to begin to get all this kind of knowledge. Not really. When I uh, had Gabriel appear to me and, and he put all this knowledge into my, my brain, it's books and books and books uh, of knowledge. And uh, I only began to remember it as the Holy Spirit moved on me and it was the right time. 
and it just came to me in pieces and in parts, and I would write it down. But but you can, in a very short uh, period of time, have that knowledge infused into your mind, and you can know know it uh, without instantly remembering the whole thing at once. So that is just all beautiful, and and this was the kind of of uh, fiery burning bush meeting that Moses had with this uh, angel, uh, you know, that, that was representing the Lord, angel of the Lord. And, and so from that, from that meeting, uh, we're going on to talk about the description in the book of Numbers, which talks about the book of the wars of the Lord, because the books of the wars of the Lord are described in in the book of numbers and uh, and as a lost as a lost book and uh, it's uh, you know very very important uh, in this whole set of teaching that we're doing to really comprehend that that God is restoring to us the lost years that the caterpillar the can- canker worm have eaten and 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 Lost Years is certainly involved in the story of the lost book of the, uh, of the Wars of the Gods. That's a really, really, really important book uh, to even imagine having lost. And as you will see as we cover only, only a part, I mean, you know, we can't get it all down just on these teachings without taking many, many more hours. So we cover, you know, as much of it as, as we can because uh, uh, that's the best that we can, we can do accordingly. So we see that, that um, uh, <clears throat> in, um, in the Bible, the Bible talks about so many things. But the Bible t- tells us about the Leviathan. And we discover there's, there's different kinds of Leviathans. There's the, the Rahab uh, Leviathan, which is a, a sea serpent uh, uh, leviathan, sort of a sea serpent dinosaur of the sea, but it's a female. And so you have, that is very, very important, which uh, I've touched on it, but never had the time to really go into the, the wholeness of that. And then there are the male uh, uh, leviathans that are the land creatures and are also called dragons. Uh, so uh, what does that have to do with this whole thing? It's just that this, this work of, of uh, the tares that was uh, described in Matthew 13, uh, Matthew chapter 13, and verses 20, verse 37 through 39, uh, also incorporated an understanding how that on the, the fifth generation of creation, that there was um, creation signals sent into creation that not only sold, uh, sowed the, the tares information, but the information uh, with the dinosaurs and many of the other creatures, uh, and we haven't begun to see the end of that yet. Uh, we're going to see more of what that all stands for, what that all means, as we uh, we come in into the time, and it is just uh, absolutely incredible. Uh, just as, for instance, 
we look at numbers like in the new book of Revelations um, at the 144,000, those all happen to be uh, biological numbers in the human body also. And uh, when we get into the meaning of the prime numbers and the divine ratios, and we begin to have our eyes opened on uh, how that even things like a cube uh, and all the different kinds of, of cubits and all these kind of things that, uh, that can be uh, tallied into the cube uh, can equal a day and how that these days have so many different applications by the word of the yom. So, so that is just exciting and, uh, you know, unending of, of, his, of his glory. Blessed be the name of God. Okay, so God spoke and he said to Moses, he said, I will send my angel before you. Now, why was it important for the angels to go before? Why was it important that um, the children of Israel just weren't made a really powerful army and they just went out there and defeated all these other nations and didn't have to have any help at all from um, an outside force, or what some people might consider, uh, you know, a, a foreign uh, force, because it was not a force uh, from this world. Well, uh, what that story is about is that there are there are reasons for all of this. Now, I I read to you last week this incredible statement, and just in the maybe hearing of it the first time, it'd be very difficult to, to comprehend it. But um, I read that uh, there is an angelic law. If an angel of God kills any person, it shall guarantee that killed person will rise again regardless of the transgression or the evil of sins that person has done. Therefore shall that person enter uh, a uh, regeneration for another chance at salvation. It is the God law of mercy and love. And um, that's why uh, the Bible says, you know, don't uh, be uh, worried about who can destroy the body house, but be concerned about who can destroy their spirits and spirit souls. Those are very, very important things. So we're going to get into quite a bit of scripture, uh, but let me just go over some things here. Uh, we've got about three minutes left here before we have uh, Janet come on and we take this break. Um, there's a very well-known scripture uh, in, the, in, the, in the book of, um, of Psalms, Psalms 91. And uh, soldiers have, have, have mentioned it and, and trusted in it. And the verse that says, uh, A thousand shall fall at thy side, ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. That has mostly been interpreted in a really selfish kind of way. And people have not known it because it's never been properly you know, ministered to them. 
Uh, but, you know, thinking of someone says, well, even though a thousand of my buddies are killed on the one side and ten thousands of them are killed on the other side, I will escape. Uh, it's so selfish, you know, that whole idea. Uh, and, and people thought, well, that's, that's what it means. But actually, if you take it in the context, you know, verse starting with verse 5, two verses before verse 7 of the one that I just read you, it says, Be not afraid of the arrow that flieth by day. And what this means is that there is something that can happen. Because normally when, when these bowmen are out there, and there's maybe thousands of them, and they all shoot their bows up, and those like dagger-like bow, bows, uh, bow and arrows come down, uh, it is a terrifying thing. It, it really is a terrifying thing. And, and uh, so why to not be afraid of it? Uh, well, there, there is a total understanding. Uh, it's, it's not talking about uh, people, 10,000 people dying on one side and 10,000 on the other. It's talking about though a thousand arrows fall to one side of you and though 10,000 arrows fall to the other side of you, Yet it will not come nigh thee. It will not kill you. It will not come and down upon your body. And, and, and this is one of the things of the wars of the gods, as I close this, that is beautiful. How that God can, can cause by his angels those uh, enemy soldiers, when they fire their guns or shoot their arrows, uh, to miss the mark. Uh, and and uh, how that uh, they will not be able to shoot you if they wanted to, it, if God's uh, spirit of protection via his angels, of which the Bible says, his angels will lift thee up, lest thou dash thy foot against a stone. Praise be the name of God. Okay, Janet Lee.
Thank you again, Janet Lee. And we enjoy your playing so much. You such spirit to it. So, the point that we were making there about the being not afraid of the arrows that fly by day is that when the angel of the Lord is going before you, he has an effect on everything. I've had, I've had um, people say to me, well, if there's two armies opposed to one another and they're both believing in God and both praying for the safety of their, of their soldiers and both asking God's mercy, uh, you know, uh, how does it work that God chooses one side or the other? Well, um, it's beautiful when you understand it from the Bible, the Bible's true story. The reason God wants to go before an army is for that very reasons like that. And he can cause, uh, uh, you know, someone that is, uh, has a destiny yet to live out that doesn't uh, need to go through a regeneration because they have a destiny during their lifetime. He can cause them to be standing out there among a whole field of fire, uh, of, of gunfire and uh, not have a single bullet hit them. And people would just be astounded. How, how could he be out there? He was in a field of, of crossfire, and yet not one bullet hit them. There are divine things that are happening, happening all the time that people don't understand. I think that sometimes uh, in the automobile world, uh, how crazy that a lot of people drive, that it's just a wonder uh, you know, how that some uh, some people have never had an accident, uh, how that God's hand has been upon them. A and, and uh, you know, uh, the other automobiles are just not able to hit them, uh, not any way to, to, do, to do any really serious damage to them, uh, to their lives. And so I think that um, that those are beautiful things that he can cause the enemy or he can cause... Two people that are coming at one another, uh, that he loves both of them, that both of them pray to him, but he can make it so that neither one of them can harm the other. And I think if we understand this when we pray, uh, and we're praying for marriages, and we're, we're praying for, uh, you know, uh, situations that have to do even with business, or, or situations that have to do with uh, other kinds of circumstances that you can pray and God can make it so that the, 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 the tough times will not come to you, that, that they will miss you. God can make it so that the things that, that make people angry with one another uh, will not, will not uh, split, the, fra the, split the, the, frame, the, the flames of fire and divide the flames of fire. Uh, or God can make it so that, that that very thing does happen. But if a person is understanding this war of the gods and the forces that they use, it is so absolutely beautiful and different from the regular kind of warring. It is so absolutely different. Now, for instance, I'll give you a perfect example of that. In 2 Kings 7, 6, the, uh, the, the people of God were under siege by the Syrians. And uh, they had a good-sized army, and they had them posted outside of the city. 
and uh, they were taking surveillance to make sure that people did not leave the city and did not, uh, you know, go out to get food or, or so forth. And um, it was very interesting that they were down to only a few horses. Why? Because they had been eating them uh, to, to survive. Well, there were uh, a couple of these uh, people with leprosy that everybody, enemy or, or, or uh, kindred people, stay away from. And uh, they, they thought, well, maybe let's, we're going to die of starvation. So what's the difference? Let's just go to the, to the Syrians and ask them for a handout. And if they just kill us, well, uh, we're going to die anyway, and there's going to be a, 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 a lot of suffering to this. But if they preventure would hand us something to eat for us just to get away and leave, at least we might be able to prolong our life for a while. So they went over to, to the Syrians uh, to ask for a handout. Well, when they got there, uh, there was nobody there. And the people had left in an incredible rush. Uh, they had left uh, horses and donkeys tied up. They left their tents. They left their food. Uh, they left, um, you know, a lot of their clothes. Uh, you could just see it strung down the road as they, as they left and were, had just grabbed. And so something had happened. You talk about the war of the gods. Here is an, another kind of warring uh, that's e in additional uh, to this power to make the, the enemy inaccurate. Uh, in Second Kings 7, 6, uh, what happened is the Lord, the Lord uh, of hosts, uh, now get a hold of this, uh, the, the Lord made the host of the Syrians to hear a noise of chariots and a noise of horses, even a noise of a great host. And they thought when they heard that noise, it was so loud, it was so real as to sounding like just thousands and thousands of chariots and horses and, and just a huge host not that far away and was coming, and they, th they said, here's what's happened. Israel has hired these other tribes and other people to come and fight for them. And we've got to get out of here, or we're all going to be dead. And so they just fled for their lives. They, they, didn't, they knew they, they, by the sound of, how, of this uh, loud thundering of the chariots and the horses and the kneeing of the horses that they heard, that, that this huge, it had to be a huge army. I mean, they've been out there in the, in the, the, the battlefield long enough to know <coughs> what the different degrees of intensity of sound meant as to the uh, and its volumes as to the, the total uh, totality of numbers and they decided that this was an immense army it was an immense host and and they didn't take time to do anything but just get on a horse and get out of there as fast as they could well the bible says that it was god it's God, God, God's angels. It was the Lord that they made them hear this noise of the chariots and this noise of the horses. 
and this noise of the great host. This is, is like a virtual reality, but it, it, it is such um, an outstanding aspect of the virtual reality that in these people, in, in their hearing, in their notions, in their feelings, in their <laughs> uh, vibration of thought, they could not be convinced. There, there, it's, there's no one in this whole, whole large army of the Syrians that has said, no, you know, I don't think this is real. I don't think there's anything at all happening. They all were total believers that a huge army was just about on them and they barely had time to get away. And they left everything because they probably thought, well, they'll, they'll stop for, for the booty. And they'll get this booty, and that'll give us more time to get out of here. But what they did not know is that was just a noise that was made by God. A noise of chariots, a noise of the neighing of horses, a noise of the thundering hoofs of the horses, a noise that sounded like a colossal host that was bearing down upon them. You talk about the war of the gods. This is the kind of stuff that makes it a war of the gods. The power to use imagination is an incredibly powerful tool. Like, for instance, in Psalms 10, 2, it says, The wicked in his pride doth persecute the poor. Let them be taken in the devices that they have imagined. People that do things against other people and take advantage of them, many times are operating out of the imagination of their evil minds as to how they want to put their condemnation on other persons. But they don't understand that when they are messing with that thing called imagination, there is a, a, a phantom side to that. There is a, a shadow reality to that. And those shadow realities have a virtual aspect to them. And they can deal with a person's brain and their auditorial system so that a person is absolutely sure beyond a reasonable doubt that they literally saw something or that they literally heard something. And these are things that both the angels of God can do and the angels of Satan can do. And so then there gets to be a war of the gods. Which angel group is able to use those first? 
which angel group is able to use those best. We see that when Gabriel was trying to minister to Daniel, that the, the prince of Persia was using a force <clears throat> and a power at such a supreme agency that Gabriel, as powerful as he was as an archangel, was not able to break the code, was not able to break that, that force. And it wasn't until Michael, another archangel, came and joined him that they were able to overturn the force of the Prince of Persia, which was a negative force. These are the true wars of the gods. These are the meaning of Ephesians 6, uh, Ephesians 12, uh, 6.12 that says that we, we war not against flesh and blood, but the war is the principalities of the light with the principalities of darkness. The war has to do with the, the principalities. The principality are princes that are the, the prince of, of the host of the cherubims, the prince of the host of the seraphims, that are warring with the, the prince Lucifer forces, Lucifer Satan forces, who are the devils of his that were cast out of of heaven with him to the earth his koun and you know it it could be legions and legions and legions of them every one of those arch every one of those koun uh, entities of Lucifer are equal to his archangelship. And that's the only allowance that makes it possible for them to, to cohoon. And so you've got, you know, hundreds of thousands maybe uh, of, of entities out there, each one equal to an archangel. Whereas a host of angels that might come against them would not would have a, a lot of entities who did not have that equality of being an archangel so that one archangel could domineer over literally thousands and thousands of angels that did not have equal archangel status And so then the war of the gods is all put into the scenario of when to use the force against the force, where to use the force against the force, and the quickening of it, how soon or how waiting at a specific time that that all is used. So we've seen here two incredible things. 
There can be a thousand arrows fall by your right side. Fall by your left side. There can be 10,000 angels fall at your right side. But not one arrow, not one arrow shall come nigh to you. That is the power of the war of the angels of the gods. Wow. And one of the things that in Ezekiel 3.13, it talks about the noise of a rushing. And sometimes the children of Israel and some of the leaders were told, when you hear the sound of a rushing in the mulberry bushes, then you will know it's the time to go forward or to do this or to do that. So noises are, are, are interesting. Noises are things that you think you know what it is, but it's a noise. And a noise is like signals that do not have clarification. So when people interpret things uh, in the sense of interpreting them, them as noises, they are interpreting things that do not have interpretation. Sometimes when people read scriptures in the Bible, uh, they have a noise. And then people interpret that noise without understanding the deep word of God. And so they do not perturpret, interpret the noise uh, in, in, in the uh, proper perspective as to what the real meaning and the real significance of that noise is. And the word noise is used quite often in the Bible. And so that is very important that we get into the understanding. It's, it's like static that you might hear. And you're trying to listen to a radio and you're static. You have to move that dial and you have to get it right on uh, a point where the frequency will decipher those incoming noises to the point they come into clarification of sound. And it's the same way with the Word of God, with the Bible. And the angels who are involved in these wars of the gods, the more capable they are of bringing these frequencies into precision, the more accurate they are, the more quickened they are, this makes the difference of the war. Wow. Now in... Joshua, uh, pardon me, in Isaiah 24, 17, it says, speaking to the treacherous dealers, fear and the pit and the stones are come upon thee, O inhabitant of the earth. Now, we know there was Sodom and Gomorrah we know there was cities that were destroyed by this chemistry, chemistry substance that came out of the sky 
and rained down upon them. Fire and brimstone was called. We know that in Joshua 10, 10 through 14, it says, The Lord cast down two great stones and huge hailstones that there was more enemy dead, more enemy dead of the hailstones than were killed by the soldiers of Israel. Think about that. We talked a while back when we were showing this revelation on Lucifer taking the the giants during during the uh, prior to the flood and taking them to another planet Mars and then later to to uh, uh, one of the moons off of Saturn and we showed how that uh, that there were asteroid fields between Jupiter and 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 Saturn and how that there was one huge gigantic gigantic uh, asteroid that was used to come out of that um, uh, asteroid field and to strike the earth and we showed you the Bible scripture for it. Well, we see that that's not uncommon for God to do things like that because in Joshua 10, 10, 14 in the wars of the gods the Lord cast down two great stones and huge hail and the effect was so incredible that there was far more enemy dead because of the hail than killed by the soldiers of Israel. Wow. Those things are actually quite amazing. They are such awesome and beautiful revelations. And people have not understood it. They've not understood the power of it. They've not understood the glory of it. The awesomeness of it. They have just missed out because they didn't get it. They just didn't get it. And I want to help you to make sure that you get it. That you understand what this is all about. And that there's, there's not just, you're not just going from guest to guest and pre-adventure to pre-adventure. But you've got some really positive, powerful information. There's a reason why God said, let me go before you. It's a really a dangerous thing when you are going out here and you are killing people. It can affect your destiny. Someone says, oh, I don't know about that. I mean, if it's a war and you're going out against the enemy, uh, you know, you just have to go and, and that's all there is to it. That is not all there is to it. You might think that that's all there is to it, but that is not all there is to it. There is a whole lot more. For instance, in First in First Chronicles, 28.3 God spoke to David 
And God said to David, let me paraphrase. I know you've gotten all of these blueprints together. I know you've put all of this work into getting materials to build the house of the Lord. But God said, I'm not going to allow you to build it. This is Chronicles 28.3. I'm not going to allow you to build this house for my name because you have been a man of war and you have shed blood. David was not allowed to build the house for the Lord because he had been a man of war and had shed blood. When you shed blood, there comes a responsibility upon you. And people don't realize what that means when you shed blood. And I can't say that there may not be a time when someone will have to do that just for self-defense, but it still puts a, a, a responsibility on you. And some of you people won't like what I'm going to say. But you may be regenerated sometime with that man that you had to kill or those persons you killed. They may end up being... kinsmen people to you. It's no game. It's no game to mess with things on this planet that have to do with souls, that have to do with people. That's why God said, let, 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 let me go. Because he said, if you're, a, if you're a good architect, if you're a good lawyer, you can transfer the curse. Like God says, instead of putting this curse on Adam and Eve, uh, he put, he'll put it on the ground. He transferred the curse. The curse had to come. There's all these laws that are involved in all this war of the gods. God said, let me go before you. Let the angels go before you. Then all of the blame will be on them for how they handle this war with these other human, uh, human people. It'll all go to them. But not on you. Well, Israel couldn't get that message. They couldn't understand that. They wanted to be brave. They wanted to go out. They wanted to kill as many as they could. They couldn't get that into their brain. God said, here's, here's one of the things I'll do. I'll send hornets. I'll send so many hornets out that it'll be like a locust plague. They'll get into their houses. They'll get into to every part where they live until they just flee the country. And then I'll have the hornets leave, and all you have to do is walk in and take over without anybody being killed. Now, that may be a war of the gods that the gods on the other side 
don't agree with and they just don't want to go for that kind of a war. But the clever angels of the Lord <coughs> have been successful in a lot of things. What they run into is when the people that they are trying to save and deliver rebel. <coughs> Just like Moses. God spoke to him and said, now here's what I want you to do. <coughs> the people are, are thirsty for water. I want you to go out to the rock. I've shared this with you before, but it's important. I want you to go out to the rock and I want you to speak to it. And I'll cause the rock to open up and water will come out of it. But Moses was disgusted with the people. <clears throat> so he went out and he smote it with, with the rod. And God was so displeased with that. And it was so significant what, what Moses did and what he had not done, done that it, it cut off his opportunity of destiny to carry his people over into the promised land. He would not be allowed to go. He could look at it from the mountain, but he would not be allowed to go over as Moses into the promised land. Changed his destiny. Because that impression, that important experience of seeing a person speak and something instantly happened was much different than taking and hitting a rock hard with a, with a rod and someone thinking, well, he just happened to hit it at a part and it no doubt cracked the rock and, the, and there was water down in there and a spring and it came out. Just a fluke. And it's just like we have this incredible story in the book of Joshua. Where there was a great war between Joshua's men and these other who were other soldiers who were the enemy. And God uh, Moses, or pardon me, Joshua said to God, "We're not going to be able to win." Because the sun's going down and the moon's not giving that much light and we're not going to be able to see the enemy. So he said, God, I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you to cause the sun and the moon to stand still. Now, I know there's people that think that that's exactly what did happen. But that is not what happened. If the sun and the moon stood still, <laughs> I'll tell you what, there wouldn't have been able to continue any war with Joshua and his men against the enemy. The effects and the ripples of it would have been disastrous. But what did happen was a virtual reality. The angels, using lasers, created artificial 
sun. An artificial sun that was reflecting the sun. And then remembering it. And re-energizing that using the elements. Very advanced, beyond anything that they can do today. Just like on Arturia, they don't use the kind of telescopes that, that is used on the planet Earth. They use laser telescopes. And so they created these two artificial reflectors that kept the light over the whole area so that their war could continue and they could wipe out the enemy and it was an incredible thing by God God doesn't do something crazy. Someone says, oh God, uh, cause all their hearts to stop beating and have them just die, uh, uh, just die. God doesn't do things just the way that you might want to do it. God uses bugs, germs, And then those germs and those bugs that end up killing people, they have to pay a price for generations to come. Because eventually, the humans start searching to find out what they can do to kill those, those germs and to kill those bugs. And they come up with, with answers because the Bible says that whatsoever that God saw that whatsoever man imagined to do, he would do. And they begin to discover ways to kill. And so those germs and those bugs end up paying for generations after generations for having gone out there and committed the death of those humans. But it's like the curse falling on the ground. The curse falls on the germ. So there's a two-way two done. The people that need to have their life cut off so they can get a better regeneration, they get wiped out by these germs. And the germs, which are an impetition to humans, eventually get wiped out because they did that kind of work and damage. And the humans start working and find a way to destroy them. So two-way good comes out of it. This war of the gods, it's, it's incredible. In Habakkuk 3, verses 4, His brightness was a light. He had horns coming out of his hands, and there was the hiding of, the, of his power. You are the light of the world. That's what the Bible says. And this light 
is more powerful than anything can, anyone can ever imagine. You really can get your light shining before men. There, the light snuffs out the darkness. The light snuffs out the forces of evil. That's, you see, like all the magicians of, of, of the time of, Mo, of uh, Moses, they could do most of the things that Moses did, but they couldn't do everything. And there's the edge of the winner of the war. The forces dark can do a lot of things. They've got a lot of tricks. They've got a lot of power. But they can't do everything. They don't have the top knowledge that the coordinate forces of God have. But you can even learn from this, on this stuff about imagination, on this stuff about the light, and how it can change the equations, how the light can reveal to you what is imagination, what is not, how how the light, the knowledge of God, can reveal to you the meaning of the noise, so that you know when to flee and when not to flee. The Bible says in Habakkuk 3, verse 5, He commandeth the pestilence. Wheresoever his blessings refused to walk, diseases came forth. I shared this with you, I think it was last week, how that when God would remove his blessings, because the Bible talks about the four winds, or like the four angels that hold back the winds of destruction, that keep the earth safe, that keep people being able to go on and live out their, their time and chance. But that whenever that God removes the blessing of any of that, on any part of it, it says, wheresoever his blessings are refu- refused to walk, diseases come forth. I pray every day for God to spare his people from diseases and germs and bugs. And I know that as long as the blessing of God in this war of the gods is on our side, that that blessing keeps the pestilent back, the germs back, the super germs back. Because this war of the gods is still going on. In verse 13 of Habakkuk 3, Thou went forth for the salvation of thy people, even for salvation with thy anointed. Thou woundest the head out of the house of the wicked by discovering the foundation unto the neck. There's many, many things out there that represents the evil force. But people don't know how to deal with it because they don't know how to deal with the foundation to the neck that holds the head. But if you're really gonna, going to war against an, a force of darkness, 
You've got to have some knowledge from God. God, you've got to be brightened so that when you make your move by this Holy Spirit, you're doing it in such a way that you're not making a move that's going to end up causing you to have to regenerate just to work out something that you did and you did it wrong because you didn't know how to deal with the foundation that was holding up that wicked head. And that if you do this, these things right, the angels go before you and they know how to pass on the law of the curse to the ground and to the elements. But you don't know all of that knowledge. So you've got to get smart and stop thinking that you will deal with it because you're really something. You've got to wait upon the Lord because those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Those that wait upon the Lord shall mount up with wings as eagles. You've got to let God go before you because it's, the war is not with flesh and blood. The war of the gods is with the principalities, the powers of light and darkness. In verse chapter 1-8, it says, Darkness will pursue his enemies. You can take people that are on the side of Satan. On the side of the forces dark. But they're getting along with the darkness so far. But you can turn things around by the Holy Spirit when you allow the Holy Spirit to use the forces of, of God and the angels of God he can cause their own mental priorities to turn upon them and against them so that the very darkness that they are perpetuating becomes their predator and turns on them and pursues them. So that they that live by the sword end up dying by the very sword that they were living with. In Zephaniah 1 it says, The Lord will famish all the gods of the earth. This is a famine not of natural goods, but a famine of the word. Depriving them to be able to have the spiritual insight that is absolutely akin to the survival that they need to, to, to exist. In Haggai 1.11 it says, I called for a drought upon the land. I smote you with blasting and mildew and hail. Wow, what a war of God. Wow. People don't understand these things about life and death. They don't understand if they're in the first death or the second death. Some say, what do you mean the first death or, or second death? I've never died. You don't know that. 
as long as you are still under the possibility of salvation, even if you die again and again, you're in the first death. That's all counted as the first death. That's God's math. So a person who has lived in the Old Testament 930 years and someone else that's lived in these this time only 38 years or 52 years and died, that person that lived 930 years has many, many times a life equivalent beyond that person that died at 38 or 52 or 51. In either case, there's the first death. And all these durations and all these things have to do with the proper weights and measurements that are depicted in, in the sacred things of, around the altar in, in the temple of God. It's all about God's justice. And it's all about the plan of God. So you're still under the first death as long as you still have the opportunity of salvation. <coughs> and don't you try to tell yourself or anybody else about dying and about your hope is just about up and you're finished. You can't know that. The Bible says no man knows the, the hour or the day of the coming of God. And believe me, that's the coming. When you end up not having any more chances, that's the coming of God. You can't know that. Nobody can know that. that that's a very secret thing with God. So there's lots of people that die, but they're still under the, the first death. Then there's the second death. You, if you go into the second death, that the second death ends that story. That brings you to the to the waiting time of judgment for all of the first death experiences that you've had. Now you got You're going to be waiting, judged. It's now you're in the second death. The forces of darkness know all these things. They know just what to do, just when to do it. Look at Exodus 8, 6. Look at all the things that God used instead of having Moses go out there with some of these untrained Israelites. Exodus 8, 6. And frogs came up from the, from, from the ponds and rivers and covered the land. God used frogs. Exodus 8, 24. A grievous, grievous swarms of flies corrupted the land. This, this is, these are the armies of the, of the Lord described in the book of Joel. Exodus 9.3, a grievous moraine caused death to the sheep and the cattle. Exodus 9.10, foals with brains came upon them. Exodus 9.15, Great hordes of pestilence. Exodus 9.18 Heavy stones of grievous hail killing any animals or people outside without shelter. 
Exodus 9.23, rain, hail, and fire. Exodus 10.4, locusts covering the face of the land, destroyed all green plants. Exodus 10.21, plague of darkness, darkness which could be felt. Exodus 11.5, all the firstborn die. Bless God for his word. The Bible talks about people going through the judgment. But all through the Bible there are scriptures that talk about people that are, cap are, are captive being taken into captivity again and getting another chance. Even Sodom and Gomorrah 16th chapter Ezekiel says that their captivity will return and they will get another chance. There's a really interesting scripture in Psalms 18.23. Whoa, if you could, some of you people could catch on to this scripture. I was also upright before him. I kept myself from my iniquity. One of the things that you've got to do, which the forces of darkness uses more than anything else, through this, the sensation of imagination, through the sensation of intimidation, through the sensation of fear, through the sensation of feeling unworthy, to live unworthy to have forgiveness? And by those not understanding the noises being brought to the very edge of destruction, you've got to keep yourself from your iniquity. And God is saying, that's all a part of the sting of the wars of the gods. The forces dark want you to look at your iniquity, want you to look at your, your weak spots in the flesh, your blind spots, <clears throat> want you to count them over and over again, want you to count your, your hurts, your angers, until you are so wrought up and emotionally just drained. that you will eventually enter into despair and then to depression and obsession. This man who was David said, I was delivered because I refused. I refused to get into this thing of mine iniquity. I kept myself from my own iniquities. I didn't let those things that I had made mistakes, those things that I did wrong, those stupid things that I did, become my destruction. I kept myself from my iniquities. Boy, you talk about the wars of the gods. That's, that's something that Satan does not want the people to know. 
one of the wars of, of Satan on human beings is in their mind and, and belittling them and putting them down and making them think that they have committed so many sins. There's no power of redemption that could ever save them. That they are too dirty to even live. And, and they, they just keep thinking and re-reaping and re-remembering and re, uh, the things that they've erred in, the things that they've sinned, the things that they've trespassed or transgressed. So you've got the trespasses of sins, you've got the transgression of sins, the acts. But God says, hey, if you can learn the, the secret of the gods, what the, what the good angels have taught you, you can learn those. You can make it. Keep yourself from those errors, from those sins, from those mistakes, by not allowing yourself to remember those things, by not allowing yourself to repeat those thoughts in your mind. Keep yourself from your iniquity. And salvation will be coming to you up the road. Wow. We've got to get into Psalms 18.32. It is God that girdeth me with strength and maketh my way perfect. You're not going to make your way perfect. You're not going to get strength because of anything that you do. There's other things that he does. Psalms 18.33, he maketh my feet like hinds feet, and setteth me upon my high places. He teaches my hands to war, so that a bow of steel is broken by my arms. We can read in, in the Bible, like in 2 Samuel 22.11-12, and 2 Samuel 23.8-20, And we could see where there was actually these human beings that were supermen. They could do, they, they could take on an, an, uh, a lion and kill him. One man could take on a thousand men. The things they did was absolutely superhuman. They say that a, a cheetah is seven times stronger than a, than a human. And we know the speed of how some of these animals can, can run and their skills for climbing rocky mountains. Well, David said, there was times the spirit would come on me. I would go through a metamorphosis. I start having <clears throat> like my body had hinds feet. So I, I, I had the strength and the, and, and the dexterity of being able to climb a mountain or being able to speed like, a, like I was one of these steers. And we know the Bible talks about how that one of the men of God ran 
and he could keep up with with, with horses. This Superman thing that could come on human beings. This is all part of the wars of the gods. When the Egyptians saw their wheels just be plucked off, just out of the vacuum of apparently to them nothing, they caught on. They said, get out of here. The gods are fighting for these people. They began, they recognized even then that it was a war of the gods and with all of their talent of charitry, with all their talent of being able to shoot their bows, with all their ability and knowledge, they couldn't win because though they shot their arrow, and though they shot 10,000 arrows, it could not kill a single one of those people that were under the shadow protection of the angels of God. That's the war of the gods. That's the kind of war of gods that Moses was leading his people across. And there's a kinsman, redeemer, spirit thing between Moses and David and Jesus. And I don't have the time to go into this today, but at some point we'll teach it from another standpoint. And there are people that are not kindred spirit in the sense of being a relative in the flesh, but there's a, kins a kinsman spirit in the redeemer aspect of the destiny of the call. And Jesus understood that. And that's why he spoke of the root and the offspring of David. And David would say things that was amazing about Moses and some of the things that were going on with Moses. And Jesus of David, and David of Jesus, and Moses of Jesus. And Jesus said, these scriptures are they which, which testify of me. There was a kinsman spirit. I think some of the people who are joined to this manifest call are involved in this kinsman redeemer spirit. And they don't totally recognize it yet. But believe me, it's all part of an incredible plan that is girding us, giving us the strength and the hinds uh, feet to go forward and to do things that otherwise we cannot possibly accomplish. And we know when we went through the revelation of, of Babylon and, and Nimrod, and how that on the opposite side that Nimrod was involved with the familiar spirits in the negative of things. And how that he married his own mother who became the queen of heaven. And how that his father, Cush, was also called Baal, B-A-A-L. -A -A 
and how that throughout the generations of time, this Nimrod thing is not going away. It's still tied into Babylon, all the way into the book of Revelations. And how, as we shared with you, that Satan took, Lucifer, Satan took these giants and took them out away from the earth during the flood, but later brought them back. And these were the nations like of Bashan that were implanted on the very route that they were that the Israel was to take to go into the into the promised land. And they were there to block them. And it was all part of the foreseen of Lucifer Satan in this war of the gods. And why Moses and Joshua knew that those people were the remnant of the giants. And they had, to be, they had to be destroyed. And it was God's plan for them to be destroyed. But God wanted them to be destroyed God's way and God's plan. We've seen how the, the genetic aspect was involved, like with the manna. So that on the sixth day, when, the, when they were collecting double for the, for, for the Sabbath, that it would not get worms. But other than that, it would. There was a genetic intelligence there. Obviously, credit to the angels, of which it called this manna angel's food. We have this pillar of, of cloud that led the way day and night because the Bible says in Exodus fourteen nineteen, the angel of the Lord went before them. We talked the other week about how Satan stood up against Israel, but also it said, and the Lord stood up. Well, it's another way of looking at that to just say here's a war against the against wars. Wow. And so we understand this all goes back to the constellation of Drago, where the Bible tells us in Jude that the that the angels left their first estate. And they were moved by the suggestion of Lucifer to Drago. And it's so interesting that about 14 years ago, Thurban, which is one of the stars of Drago, appeared instead of the Polaris star of our time today. And that how a lot of the, the pyramids were built in such a way that they allowed the light of, of, of Thurban, as T-H-U 
B-A-N, through Van, to have his reflections day and night from the bottom of one of the pyramid's deep air shafts. We see that there's a story of this, of this dragon whose tail cast one-third of the stars to the earth, that this tail goes around to a great extent, Asia Minor. There's a reason for all of that. And it all ties in to this incredible book of the lost war of the gods. It's a story about Babylon. It's a story that is still going on. It's a war that is still in process. We have not come to the end of it. It's going to go on. It's major. It deals with forces of darkness and forces of light. You are involved in it. I am involved in it. God is moving by his spirit in all the land. And this revelation of the War of the Gods 16 broadcast series, you need to listen to it again and again. I haven't told you the everything or the all, but there is so much that is covered in those 16 stories. And there's so much that is beginning to be said in Star Eyes. You want to get familiar with being able to get on that site because we are going to have a lot of interesting information on this Melchizedek One revelation. Things that you need to know. Things that will be pertinent to your, your salvation. God is calling you. He's moving by his spirit in the land. It is a time for you to hear the word of God. Remember how to get on the Star Rise community. TheManifestor.com slash starisecommunity.html I repeat it one more time. You can use, put this in your URL or you can just use it to get into the into the computer um, for the um, uh, purpose of having a question. The Manifestor, all lowercase, The Manifestor, M-A-N-I-F-E-S-T-E-R dot com slash starrise, S-T-A-R-R-I-S-E, community, dot H-T-M-L. May God bless you and keep you, cause his face to shine upon you. We end this great, incredible series. Interpretation of the War of the Gods. God bless you.